Welcome to Prostate Cancer and You, a podcast produced by the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition, whose mission it is to educate, connect, and support men at risk, newly diagnosed individuals, survivors, and their families. It also connects organizations and professionals who seek to conquer and cure prostate cancer. I'm your host, Jordan Rich, and today you'll hear conversations with three MPCC board members. Lynn Basilio, Senior Manager of Primary Care Systems in the Northeast Region of the American Cancer Society. I'll be chatting with Garth Griman, Secretary and Treasurer of the MPCC Board and a prostate cancer survivor. And Dr. Jason F. Stathew, one of the top medical specialists in the field. Dr. F. Stathew is the director of the Genital Urinary Division at the Department of Radiation Oncology at Mass General Hospital. So the first question, doctor, is for you to inform us about recent advances in diagnosis and in treatment. You're working daily in this area. Tell me about what's happening. I think, first of all, it's important to arm ourselves with uh, a few facts about prostate cancer. This is the most common non-skin cancer in American men. Prostate cancer will affect about one in seven men in their lifetime, and ultimately it's the second leading cause of cancer death uh, in men behind lung cancer. Um, Some of the the main risk factors that we should be aware of are ethnicity, where African-American men are twice as likely to die of prostate cancer as white men, and age, and I think most of us know that. Six cases in 10 are diagnosed in men aged 65 or older. So... Armed with those facts, we know that prostate cancer is uh, common. In terms of advances, there have really been some seismic shifts in prostate cancer management in recent years. So how would you characterize those seismic shifts? Part of that has been surrounding the debate on the utility of PSA screening, so PSA being the blood test um, that can be used for screening of prostate cancer. And there certainly has been some debate around its utility some decline in its utilization based on national recommendations that were made a few years ago. Many of us in the field thought that those recommendations weren't quite accurate, and our thinking has largely been don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Fortunately, I think we see that PSA screening is still being used appropriately, um, but certainly that's been one area of change uh, in prostate cancer. The other has been a rise in, in the utilization of active surveillance or observation with with routine PSA monitoring in patients with what we would call low-risk disease, so disease that's unlikely to cause real harm where perhaps a non-treatment approach or active surveillance can be pursued. Another area of change to some degree has been a a rise in the use of surgery and more advanced disease, and therefore also the utilization of radiation after surgery. Again, radiation is my field, and we're, we're seeing a lot more patients after surgery based on some features that were found at surgery or how their PSA behaves after surgery and using radiation in that setting. Those are three major changes. What is another advance in delivery of radiation specifically? So some other advances uh, in prostate cancer treatment include utilization of shorter courses of radiation. So while the standard course of radiation has typically been on the order of close to nine weeks or eight to nine weeks, 
we've seen studies show us that we can actually shorten that pretty significantly. And now four to five weeks has become a very common option for patients. And even five treatments done over one to two weeks has been explored and is really uh, an excellent emerging option for some patients. Let me ask you, we often hear that someone in the family or others in the family have had prostate cancer at a young age. That increases the risk factor. Is that true? Yes, there is a hereditary component to prostate cancer that is likely present in a minority of cases, but certainly when prostate cancer has been present in men of younger age, in their 50s and 40s, that that changes things a little bit if you have that family history. So, for example, you may want to implement PSA screening at a younger age instead of at 50, maybe at 45. There are also some genetic tests in certain cases if there is a strong family history of prostate cancer and some other types of cancers where genetic counseling might be considered. Let me ask you to comment on the primary care doctors, the first line of defense, if you will. When men visit their PC docs, how important is it for these doctors, these men and women, to know what it is we're doing to educate? I mean, that's important. Certainly, primary care doctors are at a point of contact for patients. Really, when it comes around to PSA screening, should a man have a a PSA test done or not? And and that, again, is another moment of shared decision-making where the pros and cons need to be discussed openly with a patient. And there, I think primary care doctors can also engage largely urologists in helping with some of those decisions if there are, you know, some confusion of whether or not to utilize the test or what to do with the results of such a test. But certainly the first point of contact for those kinds of decisions is the primary care doctor. I think what we had seen nationally was that uh, when PSA screening got a, a lower grade recommendation as a screening test from the United States Preventative Task Force, some primary care practices stopped utilizing PSA screening altogether, and that discussion wasn't necessarily happening with patients regarding the pros and cons. And I think we're coming back from that because there there certainly is utility to PSA screening. And again, I think that's a very important moment for a patient to have uh, frank and open discussions with their primary care provider. And finally, uh, an organization such as the one we're doing this podcast for, the Mass Prostate Cancer Coalition, the role in providing the public information that is so important, the more we know, the better we are armed with what we can do to help ourselves as a professional, as a doctor, as somebody who's trying to help us, why is this so critical? You know, I think it's important to uh, start with the, the mission statement for the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition, which is to educate, connect, and support men at risk, newly diagnosed individuals, survivors, and their families. Uh, and to connect to organizations and professionals in Massachusetts that seek to conquer and cure prostate cancer. One of the hallmark annual events for the MPCC is a great example of exactly that, and that is the Prostate Cancer Symposium, uh, which typically happens in the springtime. And this is a symposium where leading prostate cancer specialists provide up-to-date information on the latest in prostate cancer treatment and research, and they do this in a user-friendly language. So this is very much meant for uh, the lay audience. If we look at the recent symposium that happened this past May of 2018, 
the types of topics that were covered were, you know, what's new with PSA testing. There were sessions on new techniques in imaging for men with recurrent or progressive prostate cancer, the utilization of things like PET scans and PET imaging. A very well-known surgeon talked about the changing role of surgery in, in prostate cancer. There were breakout sessions where one could ask a doctor or ask a nurse questions. And then there were important sessions that address very uh, important issues, such as why is it so difficult to eliminate prostate cancer disparities? So really, cutting-edge topics are addressed at the symposium. It's patient and lay audience-friendly, and I think is a great example of how the MPCC reaches out to the community and provides very important information. Well, Dr. Evstathieu, from everyone here at MPCC and everyone listening, we thank you and your team and all the professionals who are working so hard to uh, keep us healthy. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. My pleasure. My thanks to Dr. Jason F. Stathew from Massachusetts General Hospital. You're listening to Prostate Cancer and You. My next guest is Lynn Basilio. She's with the American Cancer Society Northeast Region. And let's talk about the role of the American Cancer Society working in conjunction with the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition. Lynn, welcome to our podcast. Great to have you on board. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. First of all, can you describe what a senior manager in primary care systems does for the ACS? Oh, I'd be glad to. So as senior senior manager for primary care systems, I work with a team of health system managers who work with primary care systems throughout the six New England states, in my case. And they partner with federally qualified health centers to help them improve their systems to increase access to cancer prevention screenings for all their patients. And we focus largely on colorectal cancer screening, breast cancer screening, cervical cancer screening, as well as increasing access to HPV vaccination. You're actually one of our pivotal people on podcast one on prostate cancer and you, because I know you have an association and a knowledge of what the Mass Prostate Cancer Coalition is all about. Tell me about that relationship. So I've been working in cancer control almost 20 years now, and I've been involved with the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition for about 15 years as a volunteer and a board member, and I have supported their efforts to educate and inform the public, particularly men at risk and uh, newly diagnosed men and their families, around uh, prostate cancer, um, early detection, prevention, treatment, survivorship, and all of those issues related to quality of life. Lynn, you just talked about the importance of education, and it does matter. And we've seen the statistics over the years when people, in this case men, who are concerned about their prostate and the possibility of cancer, it does make a difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. The more information, uh, high-quality, up-to-date information that men and their families have about prostate cancer risk, early detection and treatment, the better informed they are uh, to make decisions for themselves and their families about the course of action that they want to take. So you've been on the board for 15 years, and even in 15 years, there have been changes medically. We've talked about them here in this podcast, but also this sense of understanding and being prepared and having more knowledge. Knowledge is power. You've seen that change. Over the course of my brief time involved in this area of work, absolutely. Um, The amount of knowledge around uh, prostate risk and 
the ability to detect which cancers are more likely to advance. You know, it's, it's still difficult to tell. However, I think there is a great deal of improvement, interest, research in this area, uh, both supported by the Mass Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition as well as supported by the American Cancer Society and other organizations. Definitely in this brief time, I've seen a lot of um, advancement. Well, you mentioned when I asked you to describe your title, what it is you do, and, and it sounds like a very important job involving so many different floating parts, but how critical is it for organizations like the one we're, we're talking about, Mass Prostate Cancer Coalition, to, to be in close touch with American Cancer Society? Talk about that relationship. Well, for both organizations, it's very important. The Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition has a great presence here in the state, but has also influence around the New England region and around the country in terms of its support and promotion of awareness around prostate cancer. And the American Cancer Society takes that to a national and a global level. So we do focus our efforts on cancer prevention, education, early detection, and that includes prostate cancer and ensuring and encouraging men to be informed about their health status and develop a strong relationship with their primary care provider so that they can get that kind of information. What's very reassuring about what you're saying, and I know our listeners to this podcast will pick up on this, is that it's not the untalked about cancer anymore. It's not the, oh, uh, we've got other cancers that supersede. There are obviously other important issues, but prostate cancer is getting the attention it deserves because it does affect so many men. Wouldn't you agree? It is the uh, second most deadly cancer for men in the United States, and it is the most common cancer, aside from skin cancer, in men. And it is about time that more attention is given to it. Um, we've seen it changing over the course of the last few years, and people are paying more attention to it. And as far as research and, and money and funding and all that, I know the American Cancer Society is so involved. We just want to say thank you because I, I know the impact because I work with the Cancer Society for years. We're all in this together. Whoever gets to the front line first is proud for everybody else behind, aren't they? Of course. Uh, the American Cancer Society is clearly our mission um, is focused in this area. It has been for more than 100 years. And... Um, the issues around prostate cancer are very familiar to us. We'll continue to advance this and support other organizations to do the same, like the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition. And just as a resource, and you've been great, can you tell us how people can get more information in general about ACS? Our website is cancer.org, and we have a 24-hour, 365-day hotline at 1-800-227-2345, where anyone can get information about um, the latest advances in prostate cancer or any other questions related to cancer. It's staffed by live individuals uh, 24 hours a day, and so uh, a great opportunity and resource for people to get the information they're looking for. My final guest today on Prostate Cancer and You is Garth Griman, here to share his own inspiring story of overcoming prostate cancer. I guess the best place to start, Garth, is with you and your own story and your own encounter with prostate cancer. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I was a 48-year-old male who had a surprising diagnosis visiting a, a new uh, primary care physician who gave me a PSA test, and it came back at a very high reading of 12, uh, which is not supposed to happen when you're 48, and that set off a whole round of investigations which determined that I had a real problem I had to deal with. So, um, And at 48, the gold standard for treating 
uh, prostate cancer at that time was a radical prostatectomy, so surgical removal. This is the year 2003, and I felt I had no choice but mm -hmm. to proceed because I wanted to be around a long time to meet my grandchildren. And so we did it, um, and it was in July of 2003. I had a difficult surgery and a difficult prognosis at the end because my cancer had gone outside of my prostate, so I had to also undertake radiation therapy and hormone therapy. The good news is it's 15 years later, and it must have worked because I'm still here, <laughs> and uh, I've been very thankful that I went through that, that process. We're very happy that you are here and doing so well. Were you symptomatic in any way prior to the examination? Great question. The answer is it's one of these awful diseases where you feel perfectly normal. In fact, I had no no issues of any kind. I had just changed doctors to have a new relationship with a, with a new physician, and uh, and so I was shocked. It was a total shock. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll share one other thing with you, Jordan, because I say prostate cancer saved my life because in the process of of doing the follow up examinations after my my bad uh, results from the surgery. Uh, they found out I also had a tumor in my left kidney, which was totally unrelated to the prostate. So normally kidney cancer kills you because uh, you never discover it. And that's the that's evil thing, again, about cancer. Mm. It just sits there until it manifests itself somehow. And uh, so I had to have that surgically removed in November of 2003. So I had quite a year. Yeah. And, and one more question about back then. Were you aware of family connections in prostate cancer, uh, genetic links, any of that kind of stuff? No, and, and again, my father had had prostate cancer, but I had never been advised to worry about a family link. And so and now, now that I know that, my son, of course, I, I try to stay very vigilant with. And, and I think there's definitely a connection that uh, any family member of, of a father or brother, whoever who's had prostate cancer should, and who's male, should be checking their PSA on a regular basis. Garth, you mentioned uh, the treatment at the time was the surgery. This was 2003, and obviously that's 15 years ago. Things have evolved in, yes. in a positive light, and I guess it's all a matter of where and when you're being treated, but there are other options uh, seemingly uh, upcoming all the time. Yes, and I would say, you know, if you have to get prostate cancer, getting it in 2018 is so much better than it was in 2003. I the precision of what the doctors are able to diagnose and advise you with today is much better than it used to be. And there are more uh, options for treatment, too. There's different types of surgical procedures, uh, some much less invasive. Um, and But again, this gets down to the very individual circumstances and really requires a close consultation with your doctor. And the issues that we'll be focusing on in this podcast uh, as we move through it, um, obviously for men, are very important, not just life and death, but lifestyle. I imagine the adjustment post-surgery, and you said it didn't go as well as it could have. All of that, uh, it, it required a lot of effort and work and challenge on your part, I'm guessing. Right, and but I also think that it's part of, you know, you, you, you're a member of a club. you got to accept the challenge you've got. It's part, of it, part of it's positive mental attitude. Part of it is listening to the advice you get from others who have gone this path before you. And, and every person needs to confront it in, uh, in his own way because the, the side effects you deal with are unique to you. It's your own test you have to pass in each circumstance. And I, I have found I, one of the reasons that I uh, got very active with Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition later was I felt like I had a positive story to tell and the ability to express it well. 
and trying to help people who are like me in shock and not coping, you get a rebate on that or or a return on your prior investment because uh, it helps you feel like, wow, I I really conquered something that um, is is it was a good test. You don't you don't pick it, but you have to pass it. Exactly. And speak a bit further, if you will, about MPCC and the importance of support and what this organization is is trying to do every day to help men and their families. One of the biggest goals we have is making sure that if you want to learn about your disease and your family members, like my wife was my chief researcher, uh, we try to make information as available as possible because, you know, you never know when this is going to hit you. Uh, but when you do, you want instant uh, knowledge because knowledge, I think, gives you an ability to at least make good decisions and figure out a strategy that hopefully has a happy outcome at the end. And so we we work hard to make ourselves available to talk to people. Our website's got resources on it. That's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to try to deepen the resources that can be available. Uh, and, and we really encourage men and their loved ones to uh, reach deeply into the various sites that exist, ours and others, to try to fully understand uh, what what they should be, what questions to ask the doctors, what the pluses and minuses are of different uh, treatment protocols, uh, you can really learn a lot. And then, as I said, knowledge is power. I used to always feel like, okay, I understand exactly what's happening to me, and uh, and I can evaluate how I feel it's working because uh, I have a context to judge it from. As you mentioned, 48 years old, out of the blue. For many, it's a quote-unquote older man's disease, but uh, it's something that all men, all men listening to this podcast, yours truly included, have to at least consider and, and test for. And I guess the final point to make is that testing is the key, getting tested regularly and keeping in touch with your doc. Well, I think one of the other things that we've been pounding the table about, you know, there have been these confusing guidelines from the federal government about should you get tested or should you not. The test is very simple. It's if you go in for your annual physical and you have a blood test of any sort, you just tick a box, a doctor does, and order a PSA test. It's It costs virtually nothing, uh, and it's just um, another piece of information that comes back with your blood analysis. The issue that the government's been trying to grapple with is there's so many what they will call false positives, or there there are many prostate cancers that are never going to grow into anything that's life-threatening. And so you have this uh, whirlwind of motions and then concern over treatment, and a lot of men uh, that have maybe a nascent form of prostate cancer or something that could be watched for a long time uh, go into radically aggressive treatments because they just can't stand the idea of having cancer. And so what we do is to try to say, look, find a good oncologist and weigh the pluses and minuses of what you know about your specific facts. Every man's circumstances are a bit different, and uh, and having a very good advisor, a very good oncologist who's deeply experienced in looking at what you learn from laboratory tests and so forth is the best way to start your exploration about what to do. Fifteen years later, you're doing well, physically healthy, and you're helping uh, educate others and support guys. We really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much for your interest in, in helping us with this podcast. 
My thanks to all of our wonderful guests today. I invite you to stay tuned for future podcasts featuring valuable information and resources, the latest in research and treatment, and stories of real people who have challenged prostate cancer and won. To learn more about the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition and to hear the Prostate Cancer in You podcast, go to masspcc.org. That's masspcc.org. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and with all Android players. This is Jordan Rich wishing you a fabulous day.